We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Today, continuing our coverage of fantasy football 2020. If you've missed anything already, hit the description of this podcast or video, and you can find all of the other shows, like our player-by-player profile of players at each position. Some you might want to check out. Or the top 200 rankings, or the running back rankings. Today, the wide receiver rankings for the season. Like I mentioned, if you want to hit the ranks, the list themselves, that top 200 list is in the description of this video or podcast. Very easy to find updated periodically whenever news happens. Breaking this down with me today from TheAthletic.com, host of The Flex League, it's Jake Seeley. What's up? (laughs) What's going on? Yeah, actually, uh, I wore this. I know you can't see it until after the fact, but I wore the shirt for you. uh, It says, I'm not arguing. I'm explaining why I'm right. So if there's... If there's anything more me than this shirt, that I mean, that's pretty much the truth. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We're going to find that out in the rankings today because I just basically did mine to troll you. I, I do have <laughs> one big sentiment off the top about rankings this year, about draft strategy this year. We've already seen a bunch of players opt out on the season. Uh, we don't know if the season's going to go off without a hitch. It's probably not. Hopefully they have contingency plans. I'm expecting football to happen in week one. After that, we'll see what happens. But... I think that this year is the year that you want to go as crazy as possible with your draft. Don't try to draft for consistency or anything like that because you just, there's so many, there's a lot of unknowns in football as it is anyway, as it pertains to, is this team going to be good versus this defense? And we don't know year to year. What is injury? Is injury luck going to happen? Is this guy injury prone? We don't really know how to quantify that. But now when you throw like the potential COVID implications into this, just take who you want uh, is basically the way that I'm going for it. Shoot for as much upside as possible and hope that it just works out. That's not actually a bad mantra anyway for any redraft fantasy football league. But this year in particular, I think it's going to be more prescient to figure it out that way. Also, 
If you're out there watching, share the show around. Tell some friends. That would be highly, highly valuable to Pat Mayo. Also, for the audio podcast, rate it five stars. Just scroll down, hit the five-star button. And for the video, smash the like. And in the comment section, tell me your favorite wide receiver sleeper this year in 2020 drafts. Jake, the rankings, they're not as crazy as you might think, as you've been led to believe. Number one in the rankings for wide receivers in 2020 is Michael Thomas. Number two is going to be Devonta Adams. Then I have Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, and Adam Thielen. That's my top 10, and I'm sticking to it unless you want to convince me otherwise. No, but can I backtrack real quick about this strategy for the, the year? Because I do want to chime in on that. Go, go nuts. Yeah, go nuts. No, I completely agree with you about you definitely going for your guys this year. Who knows what's going to happen? I will say this. I, I, you saw the flex email. I'm not doing it yet for the flex leagues. I said, just keep this in the back of your mind to have a vote for it. Get your thoughts just while let's talk about it here is I was suggesting that, first of all, we're going to 18 roster spots instead of 16. Uh, we already don't have a kicker, so that's actually even in another skill position player. Max IR spots, obviously COVID-related if you want to distinguish between the two. But the one thing I said that we might want to talk about down the road, like when we get to the end of August, if it's looking like a lot of people are going to be opting out, if it's looking more like baseball than the NBA where we might have cases any given week, is to play still with waivers, still with trades, still with all that type of roster management, but weekly a best ball lineup where because I know that sounds like, oh, you're taking part of the strategy out of it, but the problem I'm talking about here is like even if you have a backup quarterback, if your backup quarterback plays Sunday in a terrible matchup and you have Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott both on your team going to Monday night football, and that's just – it feels – Really unfortunate if we found out Monday that they came down with the COVID situation with the Cowboys or whoever they're facing, and all of a sudden you lose to those two guys on Monday where you weren't going to play them and you were going to wait for them. So it's just just a side thought of like what your thoughts are on that, because I think that might be an interesting spin just for this year. I don't disagree with the sentiment of it. I also think it's very cowardly. So I'm against it. I think that like if you want to keep your guys till Monday night and the game gets canceled, well, you're fucked. That's fantasy football for you. <laughs> I think it's a little bit different, but hey, I just so I know which way you're going with the vote. But in any case, uh, so yeah, for the, just throwing that out there as a sidebar. But for your top ten, the only one is DeAndre Hopkins. I had a lot of people already asking me. They're like, "Why are you uh, such like a mark for DeAndre Hopkins?" Like all those. Have, I'm at five, and it's mostly because I love Kyler Murray's deep ball. I actually do have an article coming out on the Athletic Wednesday, depending on when you view this video talking about end zone targets and how that Kyler Murray was actually bottom of the league down by Philip Rivers and Tom Brady and his end zone target efficiency. So that's a little bit concerning, but at the same time, I'm not moving him down that much. I'm not dropping him outside of the top five. I mean, if you want to debate whether it's him or Allen Robinson, I'm actually really high on Allen Robinson. I'm just not going to take all those guys in front of DeAndre Hopkins. I think we kind of had this conversation before, though. Yeah, I mean, we tend to double up on content all the time. If you go through the player-by-player wide receiver profiles, we really broke down DeAndre Hopkins. And where I'm coming from on it is I'm willing to miss out on the number one receiver in fantasy because that is the upside of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. He is amazing. In this new situation, however, the way that I look at it is if I'm looking at overall target percentage from last year, and even the past few years, but last year in particular – 30.5% market share of targets in Houston for DeAndre Hopkins. There's just not a chance that he replicates that in Arizona. Then his efficiency needs to go up, which could very well be the case, but it feels like Cliff Kingsbury wants to run like the Karl Marx offense a little bit for everyone. 
You know, you can't have too much over here. You need to have a little bit over here. That I just think the week-to-week production where he's going to have spike games that when you look at the... And I know I just railed against consistency a little bit, but someone like Devontae Adams is... like I think that he's closer to like the guys that I have him ranked around, like the Gallaudets, the Godwins, where there's going to be a few down weeks and they're just because that's not the way that their offense is going to play. And I do try to correlate my rankings a little bit. I'm very high on Kenyon Drake, which means I think that he's going to get the ball a lot in the red zone, just a lot in general. They're going to try to run. And I've kind of pointed it out before, like you can take a gamble on Christian Kirk later, depending on where he's going. I don't think that he's an equivalent to DeAndre Hopkins by any means, but he's going to see likely not the primary coverage at this point. And if we're talking about deep balls, maybe he's the one who can skirt behind the offense. I'd just be better off with the unknown surrounding Hopkins gambling on a just another upside type player on Arizona later on rather than putting all my eggs into the basket of DeAndre Hopkins when I know I know Kyler Murray is on the rise in terms of ADP but I think I'd just rather take him almost like Drew Brees back in the day like before he had Michael Thomas where it's like oh yeah you could draft Colston or you could just draft Brees because you know he's going to throw a touchdown pass like nine different people or 14 different people as the season goes along that's how the Arizona offense strikes me so if I say 30.5 percent for Hopkins which was second in the league in terms of overall team target share a year ago I could see that being more around like 25 percent this year and that's a significant difference when we're talking about overall targets that takes him all the way from um let's say 150 targets down to like 120 targets, which isn't great. No, see, I have them a little bit higher. I have them in like the 130 range. I have from 96 receptions on those. And, but also he could improve on his yards per reception. But all that being said is like anybody outside of Thomas and Adams. And I would even say like Julio, Julio. and Tyreek are almost kind of in their tier by themselves. But this next group that you're talking about, like with the Hopkins and the Allen Robinson and the Kenny Galladay's and stuff like that, like kind of feel like, it's inter- this is kind of good what your first point was is if you have your guy in this range, just take your guy here because that that's just if you don't, you're going to miss on them anyway. You're going to have to take one of them depending on what they go to. I've been in, a, you know, probably 10 different drafts already where it's been Godwin before him. It's been I've seen Kenny Galladay. I wouldn't do Kenny Galladay uh, mostly because similar to the fact that like the target share volume is like it's very similar with Marvin Jones and the involvement there. But Stafford has to be as good as he was last year like his efficiency was kind of that Matt Ryan 2016 efficiency. I'm not saying he can't do it again, but Galladay's not going to be 90 plus receptions. He's kind of more in that 70 to 80 range. So again, look, we're just nitpicking here. Your guy versus my guy versus somebody might say Mike Evans is going to be the better, better, better beneficiary of Tom Brady than Chris Godwin might be like people have their guys in this range. So I want to get too hung up on it. I'm just not downgrading Hopkins as much as some people. So last year, Kenny Galladay with a 21% market share in terms of targets, that was much higher. And I don't really see that going up much. It was higher when Stafford was playing. It was around like 26%. And even with Marvin Jones. So it's a bank on Stafford being healthy in this regard as well. I, I just like Galladay a lot. I actually think that Marvin Jones is the better value this year. So when you look at my rankings, it's funny that you didn't push back that hard on Robert Woods, who I have at number seven. And on the screen, if you're watching the video, you can see the average ADP next to it. And when we get to my 11 to 20, you're going to see I have two guys that are being drafted in the 40s and 50s, very high up in the teens for me. So it just kind of shows my strategy is going to be find that running back or two at the top. It could be the double tight end, which we argued on the last show, or just even one tight end or a quarterback, whatever it might be. 
and then figure out my wide receivers after that. I just think there are so many good receivers going after round three, Robert Woods being one of them, uh, that you can just really fill out your roster pretty easily that way and still have significant upside. There's a lot of downside that comes with it. So like me arguing something like Robert Woods versus DeAndre Hopkins, I'm going to concede that DeAndre Hopkins upside is probably far higher, but I'm looking at someone like Robert Woods, who I like his situation really a lot now just with that defense being not what it was uh, I think that they're going to have to throw more just through attrition of being behind in games we're seeing someone who never comes off the field someone with a 22% market share anyway and then get rid of Brandon Cooks and that can go up I know they brought in other guys they might play two tight end sets but I just think that where he doesn't come off the field here plus his natural uptick in terms of touchdown rate which should align back more with his career average than what we saw in 2019 I just do think that if you're getting like a early fourth round pick on Robert Woods that's a top 10 guy to me and that's someone I'm going to take every single time yeah I see and I have Robert Woods at 13 and I do have him in front of Cooper Cup uh, mostly it's something that else we overlapped that we talked about is down the end of the season uh, even when you talk about Everett being hurt now Everett is out so there's still oh Everett no cooks at this point and Cooper Cup was coming off the field for Josh Reynolds and he wasn't at that 90 percent snap share that he was or you know snap uh percentage that he was earlier in the season it was down 60 percent one game 70 percent another game 80 down to 60 again and to go to the point about robert woods is i don't hate it i just don't love it mostly because he's allergic to the end zone i just only bring that up again because i'm writing that article about end zone targets and all that type of stuff down at the end of that season Josh Reynolds actually was getting more end zone looks than Robert Woods was. Whatever it might be about Jared Goff or just Robert Woods for his entire career disappears when it comes to the end. He actually has to score from, it's kind of like Tyreek Hill, but like he doesn't score from 40 yards out. He scores from like 20 yards out. He just also falls down at the one and the five and the two, like just a lot. And I'm not saying that's just a happenstance luck situation. Just whatever it is, it's now been his entire career. Robert Woods is just very touchdown, non productive like he just he doesn't produce so that's why i wouldn't put him in the top 10 i don't hate it uh, i would definitely go a couple guys that i don't think you even mentioned juju smith schuster nope. with ben back that yeah uh, i'm i love juju smith schuster with big ben back up uh, by the way oh for six in end zone targets last year you don't think that's going to improve and probably see more targets with big ben so uh, i i don't hate the woods thing it's just i wouldn't put him quite that high mostly because of the touchdowns uh, and then you have adam thielen at number 10 we that's where i have him love adam that, thielen yeah. i have so much adam thielen this year see I, I i'm with you i just don't see who else is really getting targets here jefferson's already on the covid list yeah, he might have 160 targets this year because it's not just the fact that he's going to see so much every single week. They're, they got rid of Stefanski, and now I'm not saying the offense is going to just swing 180 the other way, but just two years ago, Kirk Cousins threw a lot more than he did last year. So if you, people forget, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, both well over 100 targets two years ago, both inside the top 15, if I remember correctly. I know they were definitely both inside the top 20 that year. So if you look at it, the increase, Kirk Cousins should pass a little bit more this year. And then the fact that Adam Thielen and nobody else besides Big Irv, there you go, your guy at tight end. I mean, I don't see how he's not top 10, but if anything, I, the fact that I own almost 100% of him, you might want to stay away because my luck. No, no, you're, you're all good on that. Let's go 11 to 20. I have my guy Scoring McLaurin at number 11. I'm just going to get him in every single Wow. Round. Then I have DJ Chark at number 12. Evans, DJ Moore, Odell, Juju, AJ Brown, T.Y. Hilton, DK Metcalf, and Amari Cooper. Like, I would be fine in my drafts if I went running back heavy at the beginning, going McLaurin, Chark, 
Some combination of the three of Woods, McLaurin, Chark, and DK Metcalf. Uh, all in like the next few rounds, just building my core that way. I just think that is an all upside type of team here. And one of them's probably going to bust. Uh, I have no doubts about that. Maybe all of them bust. But I just, I can route a path to these guys being target monsters, being touchdown monsters. And I just don't see, like, Metcalf has lock it there to take away from i understand that but in terms of a touchdown presence it does seem like they want to pepper dk metcalf once they get in close with chark and mclaurin like i can read a path where they are the number one fantasy receiver now that's a less than one percent chance of happening but in terms of overall volume in terms of teams being down and having to pass the entire game like i just see a route to them being highly successful through volume Uh, so do you do you want me to throw a little bit of water on the dk metcalf thing sure let's hear it 13 end zone targets for Tyler Lockett, less than five, four for DK Metcalf. When they, when it's the end zone, it's actually Tyler Lockett as it always has been. So I only bring that up. Like I don't dislike DK Metcalf. I just think he has to overtake Tyler Lockett for him to be worth this. And again, now I do want to bring up one side point to like, again, to your point about bringing up your guy, I'm looking at, basically everybody from that you mentioned when you started at 13, I'll say 13. So 13 is 196 fancy points down to, if we get to wide receiver 24, which you haven't even mentioned yet is 185, 11 points, a touchdown and a little bit of a yardage type of game can swing all these guys. So again, I don't want to sound like I'm straddling the fence, but I'm not going to argue too much with any of these guys. Like I have Devonte Parker at 14. I have Odell Beckham at 15. I have Terry McLaurin who I love, but I have him down at 22 when it comes down to projections. And I have DK Metcalf at 27. It's such a small gap that you being right about two extra touchdowns or maybe 10 extra targets is going to make the difference in this entire group. So I want to go back to your point that you made earlier and just say, Go with your running back early. You don't have to go two running backs, but definitely get one. You could go running back Kelsey if you want, as you love your tight end, and still get two or three of these guys because I've seen Parker. I've seen Keenan Allen. I've seen a lot of Odell Beckham. Some drafts he goes in the third round. Some drafts he goes in the late fourth. You can get two or three of these guys and still be in the fact of what you said. They could all, anybody in this group, you could get three wide receiver ones depending on what breaks this year. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it takes one injury. It takes one person sitting out. Now, this could work against my guys as well. I'm just, it's almost the same case as Adam Thielen. Just direct me towards who's going to end up with the most targets uh, from this range. And that's where I want to be with all of this. And that's why I think that McLaurin and Chark really stick out above the rest when it comes down to it. Because I think that they are the clear number ones on their team. Uh, I guess you could argue that Didi could eat into what Chark is doing, but we just didn't see that with Minshew last year. Like, he was a Chark guy. Actually, it was Chris Connolly. It was a little bit better rapport than it was with D.D. Westbrook with Minshew. So I agree with you there. I like Chark more than McLaurin just because I'm, like, one of the biggest Dwayne Haskins fans. I'm just still a little bit concerned that not so much that he's not developing because you saw him develop late last season over his last four games. And Terry McLaurin, I think I brought this up to you when we're doing the show with Meany, is that if you take the first four games with Case Keenum, and then when Keenum started to fall off in his play and Dwayne Haskins took over, when Dwayne Haskins started to improve in those last four games, and again, I'm just, this sounds like I'm nitpicking, or not nitpicking, but I'm picking for my point here, but if you take those first four and those last four, Terry McLaurin was on pace for like ungodly numbers, like 1,700 yards and double-digit touchdowns. So there's certainly a realm where he finishes as a wide receiver one even. I'm just concerned that 
this is an offense that tries to run despite having a defense that is questionable on the backside. That front seven is strong enough that they're not going to be like, we're not talking about the Cincinnati Bengals defense here. We're talking about a front seven defense that could keep them in a lot of games. So I don't know if they're going to be relying on Haskins to throw 300 yards a game. Fair enough, but I don't need Haskins to throw 300 yards a game just because I don't see very many other options. It's when they're going to pass, they're probably going to be trying to force it to McClure. Steve Sims, great yeah. value at yeah. the end of the draft. Listen, I don't hate Steve Sims, but like, I love him. Who the fuck is Steve Sims? Come on now. <laughs> At, at the end of your draft, Steve Sims and Antonio Gandy Golden, who basically is going to kind of be like a hybrid tight end for them this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like Steve Sims are going to use on like bubble screens and reverses because he has ultimate oh, speed. And he has, don't forget he has 100, 100 speed in Madden. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't forget that they drafted. Remember poor man's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yes, it's true. So anyway, I love McLaurin here. Uh, DJ Moore is one that sticks out to me as well. I could have went higher than 14 on him. I really like DJ Moore a lot. I really I like 17. I really like him with Bridgewater specifically. Just, I think that he's a very crisp route runner. He can do a lot after the catch. And if Bridgewater can throw these intermediate passes, then DJ, That's all Moore, he can do. <laughs> DJ Moore should really eat here. See, he should, and so I've said this before, this is just going to come down to how aggressive the offense is. If Teddy Bridgewater throws 600 times this year, which is possible, you're talking about a poor defense and you're talking about Joe Brady coming in and Matt rule. And then depending on if Matt rule just lets Joe Brady try to do what he did with LSU, we could see Bridgewater throw 600 times. My concern is Bridgewater throwing 550 times. That's 50 attempts over their full season. You can see why there's a big variance here, but on a yards per attempt with the saints and a yards per attempt for his entire career is pretty damn poor. And that's granted plays into DJ Moore's game, but DJ Moore's going to have to do a lot after the catch. And then you're talking about the fact that I don't think he throws for a lot of touchdowns. So I don't mind, like I love DJ Moore as a talent, but people think that if I'm putting out 17, I hate the guy. I just hate the situation unless we do see Teddy Bridgewater in this offense, just go ballistic because you have to remember the number one quote unquote for this offense is still Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And that's, that was my one hesitation. Cause I, when I initially did these, I think I had him like at eight or nine, just cause I know the volume is going to be there for him. But I also know at the same time, the guy that's going to lead this team in receptions is probably going to be Christian McCaffrey. The guy that's going to lead the team in touchdowns. is probably Christian McCaffrey. So if you can't even be the number one on your own team and you're you know the best receiver and the running back is taking away from you, it's a bit tough for me in certain circumstances. A very solid wide receiver too, though. T.Y. Hilton at 18. I don't know where the market stands on T.Y. Hilton. I try just they not, hate him. I try not to look at anyone else's rankings to tell you the truth because I don't really give a shit what anyone else thinks. So <laughs> T.Y. Hilton at 18, I just think he's going to be a volume monster. Again, and I could be dead wrong on that. He's one I feel the least good about versus like Chark and McLaurin. Uh, a, he's a little bit older, but with Rivers coming in, hmm. like I, I just don't know who the second is going to be. You can say it's Pittman. You can say that it's my guy, Paris Campbell. It could be Zach Pascal. They could run the entire French offense out there, but <laughs> I know that Hilton is going to be the one who's the number one, at least to start the season. Uh, so I will say two things about this, about the Philip Rivers. So remember when I brought up Kyler Murray? No. The four... <laughs> Anyway, the four worst quarterbacks in Ed Zone touchdown percentage, Mason Rudolph, Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco, and Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers was one of the worst last year down there with those guys. He actually tied Joe Flacco. That's how bad. For everybody talking about how bad he played last year, that's how bad he played, especially when it came into the end zone. Here's the good news. 
T.Y. Hilton doesn't rely on end zone targets. That's not usually where he's scoring his touchdowns. I'm with you on T.Y. Hilton because you're talking about a rookie in Pittman that you just brought up. You're talking about Campbell, who essentially kind of is a rookie after missing his entire rookie season. And I do like him out of the slot. You and I have talked about him at length. Zach Pascal coming from ODU. I love him as like, that's where my heart is. But as a talent, you know, he's limited. So if you're looking at somebody, T.Y. Hilton over a 16 game season, it might be roller coastery, similar to Mari Cooper, but it was just two years ago where we didn't have a problem with that because he finished top 10. We took the three or four bad games. Just everybody who wants to make the argument for Cooper, I don't understand why they're not making the same argument for Hilton. I guess the age and the injuries are starting to concern people. I, but, I would actually say that Hilton's in a better circumstance than Cooper is right yes, now. I get that. I, the, that's where I was going. The offense is better in Dallas. It's more efficient, but he also has two major other pieces to take away from just in the yes. passing game, plus Zeke, yes. plus Dak running in touchdowns. 100%. And that's what that was where I was going for my next point is that the target share should be much more beneficial for Hilton, excuse me, than it should be for Cooper who has those concerns. So, yeah, I'm I'm with Hilton and you can get Hilton as a wide receiver 3 this year. Almost every single draft he's going as a wide receiver 3. Like just looking back at last year, Amari Cooper only accounted for 19% of the targets on the Cowboys. I could see that going down, not substantially, but if it's like 16%, that's why I haven't been number 20. Like and one week it's 30 and one week it's five. That's it's the all whole, over the place. I, I, exactly. So maybe you could just go back to, I always like to tell Davis that his biggest crutch is like, well, he's going to be great in best ball. It's like, well, that, that's fantastic. This is not what I hate the best ball. This, this is not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about your draft. I feel Everybody's like, great in best, best ball. Yeah, if they have a good week, best player ever. Uh, so my <laughs> 21 to 30 range, I got Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Ooh. Marvin Jones, A.J. Green, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, and Tyler Boyd. I initially, obviously, had Cortland Sutton much higher, but I like Jerry Judy. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Judge Judy? Or wait, do you call him Doug Judy or Judge Judy? I, I forget. Ca- I call him Doug Judy. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely remember that. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a good call on that one. Um, yeah, I'd say, like I have Sutton at 23. Not that much difference. Uh, the only differences that we really have here is the fact that I mentioned it before. I have Devontae Parker up by 14. I think people are kind of the rose-colored glasses with the Preston Williams, and I like Preston Williams. You know I like Preston Williams. We talked about him last year. Uh, but Preston Williams, like he wasn't that amazing. He's not going to kill Devontae Parker. And Devontae Parker, even if Preston Williams is out there for 16 games, still he finally broke out, and Fitzpatrick should be under center for probably all the way up until weeks 14 or 15 around there. I don't understand why similar to some of these other ones we're talking about, like why people don't want to be on board with Tomate Parker, but I'll take him as a wide receiver two or three in all of my leagues. I'll continue to take him in the fifth round as people let him fall there. That's the bigger difference. And then I'm trying to see what was the one other bigger difference that we had. There was one that you mentioned. In well, there that was... well I, I just wanted to hit on Cortland Sutton for a second. It, it's not that, I think that Doug Judy comes in, just takes everything away from him. It's a combination of that offense getting a little bit better and even bringing in someone like Melvin Gordon, who I don't like, but I know that they're going to give him the ball a lot just because they brought him in. So we're dealing with a situation last year where 43% of Cortland Sutton, he had the number one out of like good receivers. He had the number one air yards percentage of anyone is 43%. And then we're looking at his target share and it was 26%. It's hard for me to believe that those numbers hit that top end again like even if he drops back 10 15 percent in both those then he's just not that good oh and that's my my concern about Noah Fant too with the same team it's just just a lot of options just out of the backfield as well like everybody's writing off Philip Lindsay that we talked about and there's just a lot of options on this team for him to see that kind of 25 percent plus like 
for the Allen Robinson, why we have him inside the top 10. I mean, he's just going to see that even if Anthony Miller breaks out, like I think he's going to the one other one was, it was Keenan Allen. And I understand people are hesitant about Tyrod Taylor, but Tyrod Taylor and Sammy Watkins were fine for two years. And I'm not saying that Mike Williams isn't a factor here and Hunter Henry's not a factor and Austin Eckler's not a factor, but Austin Eckler's not as big as a factor as people might think because Tyrod Taylor is not Phillip Rivers when it comes to throwing to the running back. And I'm not saying jump off Austin Eckler. I'm just saying I'm not as concerned as most people with Keenan Allen. I think he fits very well for Tyrod's style. Now, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of them playing together. Tyrod might just fall in love with Mike Williams, but I still have Keenan Allen for 90 receptions, 1,100 yards, and six touchdowns. That's not even amazing by Keenan Allen standards, but that would still put him inside almost the top 15. Yeah, I can see the route to that. Uh, the one pushback I would give against Keenan Allen, I mean, I haven't ranked at number 24. I think he's a wide receiver, too. I think that he's going to be good and best, right. definitely the best on the Chargers. But I look at the 149 targets last year that translated into 104 receptions overall. Yeah, for what, 13 fewer receptions. I know, I get that. But what do you have his target projected at this year? For his targets? It's yeah. It's... I don't put them on my projections because there's not enough room, <laughs> but he loses about almost close to 20 targets this year. See, I would probably put up more than that. I just think they're going to be a very run heavy team. I, I just, I don't as much mostly because Melvin Gordon is gone. I, I, and I like Joshua Kelly, but I just don't think like I don't, Austin Eckler's not running the ball 250 times. He's no, not even running, like, but, but you have to consider but, that you're, you're going to have like a sprinkling of Kelly, a sprinkling of Jackson. Eckler's going to get his carries on the ground. Tyrod's going to run a little bit as well. I just think this is going to be a slower pace team. And I think that defense now healthy is going to lead them into such like, I don't think Anthony Lynn is a great coach. So if it's a close game or it's a one score game, either way, I can just see them running the ball a ton. Like that just seems to be his game plan. Okay, so what would you put his targets at? I would probably drop him to like 120 at max, so like deduct 30. So you deduct 30, so then that puts him at 84 receptions, so you chop off six receptions from mine. So drop six receptions, you drop about 100 yards, and now he's down to... Around 24, where I have him. Yeah, that's so that's the difference. So it's going to come down to if you're losing... 15 to 20 targets or 30 targets. So that, again, this is similar to the conversation we had before with DeAndre Hopkins. It's going to come down to what the production looks like on targets. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think that people are going to, this is why rankings debates are fun because what I think is not going to be what you think and what everyone watching or listening out there is going to have their own opinion on. And you should draft that way. It's just all about hearing this information and then picking your lane and picking a spot. It's like the fence sitting thing earlier. Like we can talk about range of outcomes all we want, but when we're drafting, we have to fucking pick someone. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, let's go back to Cooper Cup. I mean, if he goes back to two years ago, or actually the first half of last season, and all of a sudden he's out there 90, 95% of the time every single week. We know Jared Goff loves him in the red zone and the end zone. We're going to be wildly wrong on that because I am oh, at 20 yeah. and you have him right there too. He'll be back inside the top 10. Yeah, he was number four in PPR scoring last year. Like, he was excellent. Yeah. Even with that decrease at the end of the year. So uh, it's just a commitment to me well, on Robert he Woods. touchdown in like three straight games. Well, it, it's tough, though, because if I like Robert Woods, I feel like inherently in the rankings that has to hurt Cooper Cup. Like if I was super high on not Cooper always. Cup. I mean, not, not always, but I think the, I think I think way. in this offense, it actually does, because I don't think this is going to be. No, 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 I don't this think this Jared is, Goff is thrown for 5000 yards. No, but he doesn't have to. And that's what I was going to say. Not doesn't necessarily does. It could just hurt Tyler Higby and the tight ends because. 
I was going to bring up. Let's bring up the Oakland, well, at the time, Oakland Raiders, Derek Carr offense, making Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree both top 10 wide receivers. Sure, but both if, the, but both those offense, guys were pushing almost 30% target share. Even last year, that's Cooper Cup was down around 20%. Well, that's what I'm saying. If that's how the offense skewed this year, and those are his two guys, and forget about the tight ends, it could happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying there's a scenario where it does. How big of a loser am I for ranking AJ Green at 27? I just want to believe. I'm, I'm like Mulder in the X Files. I just want to. Well, believe then I guess Jay. I'm 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 slightly more of a loser than you are because I'm at 26. <laughs> okay, so you think that he's going to be good? I I, I agree. And I, that's just AJ Green 90 percent good. Like if it was 100 percent AJ Green, AJ Green's still what he was was a top 10 talent in the NFL. If he's 90% of what he used to be and what we expect to be one of the worst defenses and one of the most happily passing teams that should be if we're playing that whole game script narrative and we're looking at their schedule and looking at, you know, yes, they face a lot of tough opponents, but they face a lot of good offenses like the Steelers twice and the Browns twice and the Ravens twice that they're going to have to pass. And Joe Burrow could, could come in and be Baker Mayfield. And then some, I talk about Baker Mayfield's rookie season. And if that's the case, AJ green could easily top where we both have them for sure what are the chances tyler boyd outscores him though i'd say it's more than a non-zero ch- i would actually you know what i'd put it at 50 50 way better than a non-zero chance i was gonna say like well because 45%. you remember the narrative last year tyler boyd is sucks without aj green well he kind of threw that one out the window because he was fine without aj green so what if he actually still is better with aj green and then he's better than what he was last year and he's the number one for the team Oh, yeah. It's definitely within the range of outcomes. And, like, they're going right around each other, aren't they, in terms of, like, where they're being drafted? I think they're usually going pretty close. Yeah. So you you pick your poison. You probably don't want both. Unless your uh, goal this year, I know that, like, uh, stacking has been a big thing even for season-long fantasy this year just because there's so many unknowns that if you end up with the healthy team and that team is good, you could build a stack of Green and Boyd and Joe Burrow and just go YOLO on that. (laughs) Well, you're gonna, who, who's their tight end now? It's no CJ Uzma? Yeah, probably probably pass on that one. I'm trying to look right now. So AJ Green last night in a draft that actually Davis was in. Uh, he went in the sixth round. He was 6.02. No, this is backwards. So 6.11. Um, backwards is that I wasn't counting it right myself. Tyler Boyd was 7.01. So they are two picks apart. So there you go. What do you do with Ridley? I think Ridley's being way overdrafted, similar to the Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf situation, where I like Ridley. And to go back to that study, he's one of the most efficient and highest end zone targets to touchdown conversion out there. And I don't think that's going to change. Like, I'm not saying that. And I wrote that up in the article. I'm like, he's one of the ones that I don't think is going to fall back to the norm. Like, for real quick reference, an end zone target, 38.3% of the time, that's the league average. It converts to a touchdown. He's been around 60 to 70% both these past two years. So I don't think that he's going to drop back. But at that rate, you know, that's already how good he's been. Like, I don't see that getting better because it's what is he going to start catching 100% of his end zone targets. And until he surpasses Julio in targets and becomes the number one, I just don't see how people are putting him inside the top 15 and want to take it there. Julio is the number one and Julio is going to dominate like he always does. So I think this is where Calvin Ridley should be. We're on the same page with Calvin Ridley, despite being different on DK Metcalf. All right, 31 to 40. Got my main man, Will Fuller. I think there's a year to draft Will Fuller, Jake. It's this year with 
so many unknowns about who is going to play and who is not going to play and the different variables like hey then you know if you get six games out of everyone will fuller six games aren't bad uh, it depends on which six games you're going to get. That's another rose cause of glasses. Go look at some of the games where he didn't do anything while healthy, while 100% healthy. People just remember those little stretches because he puts them up in bunches. I, I, feel you know like how Will I, feel, I feel like Will Fuller has hurt you in some way. <laughs> no, he's just the new Amari Cooper. Over 16 games, he could be Amari Cooper. That's who he is, though. And that's why I hate it. It's the same reason I hate Jared Cook. So you're like, yeah, go play him in basketball. There's your perfect basketball player. I'd seasonal. I'm not going to play that roller coaster because you have to put him out there every single week. I will say the one positive thing. Amari Co- or Will Fuller at his cost, I will invest this year because his cost is relative to the risk. Uh, but when it comes to this offense, the one I've been getting the most of is Randall Cobb at the end of drafts because I could see where Randall Cobb leads this team in receptions and yards. So the rest of the list, I got Jarvis at 32, Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown. Don't let him see that. Tony, what's that? Don't let Jarvis Landry see that. He'll get mad. Oh, oh, watch out. Don't disrespect Jarvis. Uh, and he's wide receiver three. It's pretty good. Uh, Tony Miller, Doug Judy, Brennan Cooks, Mike Williams, Michael Gallup, and Jamison Crowder at number 40. I'm not really big on Perriman. I much prefer Crowder in this spot just because you know, the Jets yes. are going to stink. And Sam Darnold's not very good. So just, you know, the guy with the easy completions, that's the guy who's going to get all the looks. A hundred percent. Jamison Crowder is just Terry McLaurin with an injury history. That's, that's, I don't understand why people aren't more on Jamison Crowder. I mean, again, maybe I do understand maybe because it's the injury history, but Jamison Crowder over 16 games should replicate a lot of what Terry McLaurin does for what you just said. Very similar reasons. Um, I'm trying to like, did you say any Giants receivers? Yeah, I had Sterling Shepard at number okay. 33. I was curious to see if you said Slayton or Shepard. I'm with you on Shepard. I have Shepard at 36. Shepard went healthy, despite even when everybody's healthy. He's still been the number one, and everybody wants to take Slayton this year, and I don't hate Slayton. I have Slayton. Where do I have him? I'm looking for him. I got, Slayton at, I got, I got Slayton at 44. I have a 43. So we're, lo- we're basically lockstep on the Giants receivers. Yeah, so I just look at Shepard, and like you said, when everyone is healthy, Shepard's the guy. 23% market share. It's like when Ingram is out there, Ingram gets the ball. A lot of Slayton's numbers were put up with significant injury, and I get why you would want to draft him, like oh, go reach for him. And if he's one of your guys, go reach for him. I got no problem with that. He's just not one of my guys that I think with everyone healthy, like we're not even factoring in Golden Tate into the situation. I think there's a chance that Golden Tate outscores Darius Slayton. Like you're going to get some big games out of him, but I think they're going to be few and far between this time around. Yeah, I think so. My, my biggest concern, and you brought up Golden Tate, is how much he's on the field. I think despite... Uh, what he brought when he was with the Lions and, you know, being able to pass block and stuff like that, you know, on routes that other people are running. I don't, I just don't know if he's the third option when it comes to snap counts. And that's my biggest. Now, what if he's the second one and Slayton's the third, like despite what Slayton did last year. I mean, there's, this is one of those ones similar to the Rams where we could find out by week three that, you know, this, the Giants team just has a completely different outlook on what the snap count will be than what we expect. Uh, anyone else in that little range there? Like your guy, Anthony Miller, number 35? I'm at 37. I like I, I love Anthony Miller this year. Uh, he's somebody, too. I have to go back. I'll give you a little, another little pull from that article. I'm going to pull up the number real quick because I was just writing about Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, one of six in end zone targets. I think Nick Foles can do a better job than Mitch Trubisky. Maybe. I watched a celebrity family feud recently where Mitch Trubisky was the captain of the team. Not a whole lot of inspiration from Mitch Trubisky on Family Feud. (laughs) 
Uh, I forget which was that the one was Aaron was that the one with Aaron Jones on the team? Uh, I don't think Aaron Jones was on that team. Like Cam Robinson was on the team. Jamal Adams was on his team. I saw a different one. I saw a different one that Aaron Jones was on there and Damian Williams was there. And it was, I forget who else. Like Mitch Trubisky might be the worst Family Feud player of all time. Like if my grandfather was on Family Feud, like he would be terrible, but like maybe not as bad as Mitch Trubisky. I got to go back. I missed that one. Yeah, I saw, I just remembered Cortland Sutton was the team leader on the one that I saw. Yeah, the one I watched like on the veteran side had like Diggs. Uh, Gerald McCoy was the team captain. <laughs> oh no, this was versus this was versus Hall of Famers, and all Michael Irvin did the entire time was talk about how great the Hall of Fame was and how they're all amazing and all the rookies suck. Well, yeah, he, he talked about how, how great he is, how great the Hall of Fame is, the Cowboys, and just yelled Tebow over and over. <laughs> he did yell a lot. <laughs> yeah, Michael Irving's great. Uh, Forty-one <laughs> to fifty. Let's go. I got. I still have Debo at forty-one. Um, I just think he's a nice stash. You can get him way late. I'm 49. Way late uh, if you want to. Now, everyone's drafting Ayuk. I'm not in on Ayuk. I just think it's more for Kittle in that circumstance. But I got Debo, Nikhil Harry, Christian Kirk, Slayton, Preston Williams, Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Cole Beasley, Cole's Hole, and then Randall Cobb, your guy, and Emmanuel Sanders at number 50. And then it gets into like Ruggs and Edelman, Jefferson, Jalen Ragor, um, Alan Lazard, Brashad Perriman, 90s teen heartthrob Hunter Renfro, Mecole Hardman. Like, I'm just not huge on these guys. And that's, I can see why. So, for Debo, real quick, I took him ninth round last night. Worth the risk, in my opinion, even if he misses all of September. Uh, I have him 49, a little bit of difference there. The biggest difference we have is Henry Ruggs. And I'm going to continue to say the same thing about Henry Ruggs. And, you know, maybe he's the guy that I die on the hill with this year. But I think people don't realize how good of a complete receiver. Now, he's not. 100% complete. He's not amazing and has no flaws, but he's more complete than people want to give him credit for. And I'm tired of people just saying, oh, he's only a downfield threat. He's not only a downfield threat. And the reason people are using the only a downfield threat is because they talk about Derek Carr and his deep ball. Derek Carr also not miserable with a deep ball. He's middle of the pack. And that's not saying like, oh my God, he's going to be amazing. But I go back to what we said earlier in the show. He made Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper both wide receiver ones in the same year. Darren Waller, you could argue, is going to be the other wide receiver one. It can be Henry Ruggs. It's not going to be Renfro. It's not going to be Tyrell Williams. Henry Ruggs, if everything comes in as a rookie, despite being a rookie learning curve, he should be the number one wide receiver from day one for the Raiders. And I have him inside my top. I just told you, 42. So the latest on Debo, if people don't know, John Lynch came out and said that he's not going to put a timeline on Debo's return at all from the broken foot, but he said he's probably going to miss at least a few games to begin the season. But that's how I would want to be drafting him. Like, I want him to be healthy when he comes back, even if he misses the first four games. I don't know how the fuck the season's going to go. Like, you know, (laughs) if I can draft him, what round did you say you took him in? Ninth. Ninth? I think that in most normal leagues, he's going later than that, especially with this new news coming out that he's like definitely going to miss some games at the beginning of the year. Yeah, well, this is yesterday before the definitely misses. And again, but we go back to something you and I talked about, and you were the one that started it, and I agreed with you that year. It was the Le'Veon Bell missing the first four games with suspension. Is those first four weeks, and granted, this is a best ball league that I took him in, but that was why I I jumped around earlier because I figured people would be willing to risk a little bit more in best ball because of that. It's even easier to make up for that loss. But even in your typical redraft, it's easier to make up that loss at the beginning of the season. And blank replacement wide receiver or running back if it goes back to Le'Veon Bell plus the 12 games of that player is going to equal a hell of a lot more where you're taking them. 
and where you're drafting him right now, like to go back to that argument, I think it works better with running backs because we're always talking about guys at the top of the board. If they miss time, like how do you properly value them? You're not even drafting Debo as a starter right now. No. He was so, my fifth wide so, receiver. So there's like no draft. risk whatsoever. Like if he's out for the year, <laughs> then like, oh man, my 11th round pick didn't come through. Like big fucking deal. Yeah. Like I said, he was my fifth wide receiver on that team. Uh, anyone else in this range do you think that like we're way off on uh, i know that there's a lot of buzz for deontay johnson but like it could be james washington it could it definitely 100 percent could I, I he wrote him up in last year's trash pile or dumpster diving is just fact that james washington it's not uh, like it's not set in stone that deontay johnson's the number two james washington showed flashes and james washington showed a little bit more at times and ben roethlisberger being back will help but uh, again he's i would say odds today deontay johnson is the number two but again that's not done and said for the james washington is still somebody who talk about a great deep ball player uh he's he's definitely there i mean you could be talking about the mike wallace for this team and being james washington now that like half the patriots have like said they're not playing this season <laughs> i have Nikhil harry at 42 i have emmanuel uh, not emmanuel sanders sorry julian edelman at number 52 harry so, over edelman with cam right just for the like potential upside purposes no i'm really? actually i i have edelman and i do have now i have harry over sanu but I think Sanu has a chance to outscore Harry. And I'm a Harry fan from last year. I'm a Harry fan. I think that people should be right back on board with him. But Cam's style of play, we talked about this with Josh Allen. We talked about this towards the end of Cam Newton's career before he got hurt with the Panthers. We saw what they tried to do with Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin because they're like, oh, he's inaccurate. Let's give him big 6'5 guys. Well, it didn't matter. It didn't help because you're still 50-50 ball. Cam Newton's improvement and accuracy improvement came when they started getting like DJ Moore guys. And he was better with Steve Smith. When people remember Steve Smith is there. Nikhil Harry still as good as he is still struggles with separation. I'm again, I would take Harry over Sanu to be clear, but in a deep league, you probably have to go at least 18 rounds because he's not even being drafted right now. I think there's a chance where Sanu and Edelman are the one and two this year. I, that's potentially the case. The one thing I like about Harry is that, well, he doesn't create a ton of separation. He gets the ball. Like you throw him a jump ball. He's the strong hands on that young man, just boom, right through the defender to go grab the ball. So I think that it's, I get the Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches type of comparison. I think that Harry's just a better receiver than those guys. Absolutely. There's no question about, no, no, no. There's and again, I think Harry, why do you hate worthy. Nikhil Harry? <laughs> I, I'm one of the biggest fans of Nikhil Harry from last year. Yeah, like, sounds I, like I, it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no. But the one flaw he had was separating, and that's all I'm saying. When it comes to Cam Newton, like you put Tom Brady back here, and Tom Brady had those frustrations with Nikhil Harry because he wasn't breaking free. Uh, you put him on a different team. You put him in a different quarterback. You put him in a different scenario. Hell, you put him with Philip Rivers. I like to kill Harry with Philip Rivers than I do with Cam Newton. All I'm saying for Cam Newton and his style of what my concerns are, like I would hate, hate to kill Harry with Josh Allen. Uh, it's just that's my concern. And I'm not saying, again, I have Harry at, where'd you have him? I have him at 50. So I, have him at, that I have him at number 42. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's negligible at that part of the draft. So, again, it's just I'm bringing up the point that don't forget about Sanu. Any late round flyers? I know you mentioned Randall Cobb, but I actually have him in my rankings at number 49. Uh, the, just to go down the list, just potential plays. I know there's some buzz about like Russell Gage, although now we're getting into a situation where there's just too many guys on Atlanta who have to be good. 
<laughs> the entire offense. Uh, I like, look, look, I'll throw out a couple, like, as who do, who do we already cover? We covered so many of these guys already. I'll throw out, look, Corey Davis could be following the Devontae Parker career path. I'm not dead on him yet, despite that, how run heavy that offense is, but just he's free now. Like this last year, he was being drafted so high and now he's free. I'll go take a free flyer on Corey Davis. Miles Blaken is another one that I think could be the touchdown maker for the Ravens that you're getting super late. And I think there was one. Oh, we already mentioned him. Steve Smith. Sims. Now that now Kelvin Harmon is out, Steve Sims is the number two. Like there's very little co- competition is Gandy Golden, who's a rookie. Uh, I would who also throw, struggles to separate right now. I, I would throw out uh paris campbell i think that there's an opportunity for like him campbell. to establish himself as the number two at least in terms of volume other than that like josh reynolds, josh reynolds? yeah josh right reynolds there. <laughs> could be somewhat interesting i you know what i'll throw out you know what more. Greg, i thought greg ward was good last year i know he's not going to get the run that he did for the eagles but i don't know he was like the nah. only reliable guy that they had but, you know, Rager could be their number one from day one, depending on what Jeff, Jeffrey is going to play possibly at some point. But don't, Deshaun Jackson is still on the team as a day one. And he's healthy for right now. I just Greg Ward is the, any of those receivers are basically going to be the number three option anyway, behind the top two tight ends. Um, I will say this. And I was about to say, I hate bringing up his name. We just talked about him, actually. We, I just said his name a few minutes ago. If Alan Lazard doesn't get the number oh two job. God. And it is Devin Funches. I hate Devin Funches. Like, let's be clear. I don't want Devin Funches. But if you told me he has the number two, here's what I need to hear. And I said this on, I did a show with Chris Harris, and he was like, what do we have to hear about certain players when the season starts? If we get reports that Devin Funches is clearly, definitively the number two wide receiver and going to be on the field 80% of the time, I'm going to have shares of Devin Funches. Well, Good luck. I with wish that. I could see your face. I Good luck with that. Uh, Jake Seeley at Owen kid on the Twitter box at theathletic.com to find his rankings and his articles. Tell us what else you got's going on. Yeah, draft kit launch part do uh, coming out next week after the flex drafts this weekend, which you're a part of uh, just to relaunch update the rankings, update all the articles. Now that's drafting season, which we're kicking off the flex league. So yeah. Good times. Uh, although we are drafting the Flex League this weekend, I would recommend everyone wait as long as possible oh, to do course. the drafts this year. Like more so, I always recommend that in normal years. This year, much better idea to wait. I would, if possible, yeah, I would absolutely wait till the very last weekend if possible. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Sometimes I do giveaways on Twitter, so you might want to check that out at the PME. Smash the like for the button, or smash the like button for the episode. Leave your favorite sleeper in the comment section and rate the Pat Mayo experience. Audio podcast, five stars. Thank you very much for that. The entire draft kit for me is in the description of this video and podcast. If you want to go check anything out, the lists are in there and they're up on dknation.draftkings.com. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank y'all for watching. I'll see you next time. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs. 
From technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.